0: ...as I placed my panties down on the counter. (laughs) And you know exactly what I'm talking about, too. Anyone who has been the opposite gender... ...and then... ...goes shopping. Shopping for, you know... ...clothing of the opposite sex. And... ...you get to the counter... ...and they look at you... ...sometimes... And they look at you and you think, I know who you are. I know exactly who you are. As I placed my panties down on the counter. I know who you are on the Fabulous D Show. I am the Artist D. Who are you? We'll talk about it right now. one and I do know who they are and I think that is the key to everything right there your your hesitation your um your embarrassment, your shyness. It's the key is, I know who you are, bitch. Just say it in your mind a few times. Write it down. Put it on a t-shirt. I know who you are, bitch, by the artist (laughs) D.com. And I'm talking about being embarrassed about making purchases of Things that you want, and we all know, especially in the transgender, cross-dressing, drag queen, gay, straight, lesbian, bisexual, uh, S&M, all of the alphabets, all of the rainbows, all of all of the all of the all, beyond, 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 forever until forbid. I'm talking about... Every person on Earth who walks into a store who buys something that they're embarrassed to purchase—and you don't have to be cross-dressing, and you don't have to be trans- transgender, you don't have to be into S&M, you don't have to be in BDSM—you don't have to be involved in all of those alphabetized cultures—to know what I'm talking about, because you've walked into a store before, and we all know that 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 mom, you know, mom's Mably <laughs> walking in just. Tired, bland, buying something hysterical that they don't want anyone to know about. Whatever that may be. But we've done it. We've walked into that store. You put it down on the counter. Well, first of all, you're shopping for it. And being transgender, being someone who buys some very strange things for my art of myself, I've been there. And I remember back in the da day... Going into the store and shopping for it and thinking they're all, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to look at you. And no, they're not really going to laugh at you or look at you. They, they don't think anything of it because they're too boring to think it. They think you're buying it for your girlfriend. They think you're buying it, even if they think you're buying it for yourself, they think you're buying it for a gag. Oh, it's just a laugh, remember that? It's just a laugh. I'm just doing it for a laugh. But then you get to the counter. And you get to the counter, you look at the people, and you think, they're going to look at me. And if they do, as I just experienced when I put my panties down on the counter, they look at you, and you look back, and that's the key. You think, I know who you are. Because I do. I know who he is. He looked at me. He was judging me. Because I was in a costume store, buying panties, panty-like things, and it was for a new project I was doing. But, being in, you see, that's interesting. You can be in a lingerie store, buying panties, and the cashier won't look at you cross-eyed, because he thinks you're buying some for your hot girlfriend. But if you're in a costume store, it's more assumed that you're not buying them for your hot girlfriend, you're buying them for yourself. So no matter if he's thinking about why you're buying them, what your costume's going to be, how interesting you'd look in these things, or if you're buying them because you've got a kinky fetish, all you have to do to disarm the embarrassment and shyness in your brain is to say, hey, in your head, I know who you are, because... Looking at him, he was a redhead. He was a ginger, too. And we know dirty, dirty, dirty gingers on the Fabulous D Show. (laughs) We know them. And we know what they do. And you know anybody. You could say it for anybody. If you feel that you're being judged, you just look at them and you think, I know who you are. Because you know whoever they are, They're going home, they're closing the door, they're drawing the blinds, and they're having a kiki, okay? (laughs) They're doing something, whatever it may be. They're doing interesting, dirty, scandalous things, or they're doing something that they're embarrassed to admit to their neighbors. We've said it a million times, season after season on The Fabulous D Show, everybody's got their something everybody's a kinky bastard. Everybody has dirty little secrets. So if they're ever looking at you like that, no matter where you are or what you're doing, all you have to think is, I know who you are. Because you do. You know that they're just as dirty, just as pervy. Not that anything that we do is dirty and pervy, but they think what they're doing. You know, how many Republicans are tapping people on the side of the foot for some little gay sex that they think is dirty, perverted, and wrong. But I was out there, and I was buying some. It was for an art project. Which makes me wonder... I've been buying a lot of things lately. Clothing. Not just for the 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 photos. <laughs> the photos, the modeling, the scene, you know... But I don't know why. Well, I want to (laughs) be. I want to be like them. Like you. You out there. And I'm sure that you understand this. Because I don't understand this. I see those awesome t-shirts. I see the awesome clothing. And I I, want to buy it. And sometimes I splurge and buy it. This last weekend, I, I was looking in my closet. And I have nothing to wear. So I went and I bought things and, you know, cool, awesome looking things, things that people would see and say, that's awesome. Because I think about wearing them around people. And then I think after I'm done purchasing, why did I buy that? Where am I going to wear these things? I don't have anywhere to wear these things. I know there's, there's supposed to be all of this going out, doing things, and I don't do that. For me, I mean, I could, and this is why I I kind of miss the simplicity that I once had, because once you're in a place for so long, you kind of think about, you know, how simple you were and how, you know, I could pack my entire life into a, a car of minimal size and drive anywhere and set up shop and I'd be, you know, I wouldn't have to. You know, and the last time, when we, we did the Fabulous D show in, in Atlanta, Georgia, I stayed that way, you know. I I full well, well, because I didn't know. I didn't know if I would have the stability, so why buy things? Why buy furniture? And I really liked that. I really liked knowing that my wardrobe consisted of seven things. That's all I need, you know. That's all anybody needs. I mean, we don't need to... Unless you're going out. But I'm not going out. I don't go out. Hardly ever, you know. And then, you know, I buy these things now and I won't fit into them by then. Isn't that the way? I love when they say that. Isn't that the way it happens? Yes, that is the way it happens. But I love the the seven things mentality. All I, if I was living my life without having to Uh, do business with people on a daily basis, I would have the seven things. All I need is seven tank tops, black, seven pairs of slacks, black. You don't even really need that many. And, you know, a moderate pile of socks and underwear. That's all you need. Because and I love when people, because people know me, they've seen me, they, they know that I am not the most colorful Jezebel in the world. And I I pretty much, I have the uniform for life, you know? I am wearing the uniform for life. It's the black tank top, the nice slacks, and ass-kicking boots. That's really all you need to know, is that is my uniform for life. And really, the only things I need to splurge on is for the camera, because you're not, it's, the internet is like the red carpet. And it's always been like the red carpet, because how can you wear, how can you be me? How can you be anyone on there and wear the same thing over and over? And of course, no one does, because, I mean, aside from, I mean, there's Facebook, which is like, the normal populace, and you take pictures with people and you're wearing clothes and nobody gives a shit. But when you're the artist, when you're the model, and I, and I say model not as in, you know, fashion model, but I mean, you take pictures of yourself, you have pictures of you taken, and I mean, I can't be on the beach with, you know, I can't be in front of any background that I'm being in front of And wear the same thing. It just doesn't work. It's never worked because it's boring. Because you might as well take one picture of yourself or 12 pictures of yourself and market that for the rest of your celebrity, the rest of your life, whatever the rest of it may be. You might as well just, you know, there's no interesting. You can't post another picture. I mean, and I've tried, I've done it, I've done it well. You know, you post so many poses, so many different angles, faces, makeup, styles, and you can freshen up those clothes here and there. But at the end of the day, pretty much, by the next month, you need a new outfit. Sipping tea, which is still too hot. If it's too hot to hold, it's too hot to drink. And this is too hot to hold and drink. And yet that's what I'm doing. But I would just love that. I would love to have... You know, the, the folding card table with my equipment, my closet of seven things, and that's it. And that's what I'm working towards, because as much as I want, and it's always the urge to look different and ur- urge to look like something, you know, much like I'm going, we have having, having a photo shoot this fall, and you have to think about, well, what do I want to be wearing? And Eventually, children, gentle listeners, you will just see me in in one outfit and that's it. But there's the other side of that where you think, well, I don't want to be the same yet. I don't want to have the same militant look every time you see me. Because as an artist, there's always a new canvas, and there's always something new to create. And being that you're being is the canvas, it's very difficult to not want to repaint. And sure, I could, even my face, even my makeup, I don't want. I've, I have used the same color palette for years, and that is now my thing. I can't think of really mixing it up, although we're thinking. I just don't know. You you know, there's that, you only get one life, so you don't want to wear the same thing all the time, yet. I guess it comes from a branching out of of your creative envelope. You've got to go above and beyond. You know, there's a time when I'm sure that I'll be behind the camera far more than in front of it. I've yearned, yearned to be behind the camera in, instead of in front of it for a very long time. But yet I always find myself in front of it because nobody's doing what I'm doing. And maybe someday, someday, that, that will change. And I do hope it does because, oh my God, I don't know if it's just the heat or what, but... The, the healthy, angry rage that has been lately. And I sit here, sipping my hot tea in the hot weather, and I just keep thinking, I can't seem to form the words. And I keep trying, and I'm, I've been trying, because no show last week. No show, because I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm hot. I'm angry. I can't. I feel like I'm, you know, if I wasn't so well-spoken, I would be sputtering at the microphone. Just absolutely gushing. I mean, this is the season where I pour my ever-loving guts out to you. And that's a good thing. But there's a certain sputtering in the mind that comes with spilling your guts out because there's so much to spill. It's all so there. It's everywhere. And there's so little time. There's always been so little time. And it takes a lot of effort to maintain the making of time. You know, people always ask me, Do you have a minute? I'll make a minute, and that's what life is—is is making the minutes. Because if you don't make them, because I could get home on Friday afternoon, and the next thing I know, it's Monday morning. Because I, if you if you just let let it overcome you, which is what people do, time overcomes them because time goes by. That's what time does. That's all that time does, is it just goes by. And you can easily just sit there, especially with the distractions of the modern world. If you are a slightly free being with any connection to anything, albeit phone, laptop, or satellite television, good God, you just have to turn something on, and like that, you've missed Days have gone by. You've been in amnesia. You've been in a comatic state of social media wasting time. And you've got to make minutes more than ever because everything is accessible. Everything just comes at you and sits at your feet and waits to be done. And there is no waiting. It's like... The era of the fax machine, when you'd fax your 300-page manuscript, do you know how much time that took to send the manuscript via fax to the publisher and wait? (laughs) You waited for the fax to go through, then you waited to hear that they got it, and then you waited for them to actually read the papers? I mean, that's... There was so much more time because things took so much more time to do, and now it doesn't take much time to do anything. In fact, the machines can twirl out everything, massive speed. The only thing that's slowing them down is the humans operating them, which is where we are now. Is The only reason time takes time is because humans can't move at the speed of light, at the speed of technology, at the speed of the circuits on the board. We can't do that yet. Yet. So it's very difficult. Because now, mm, time's waiting for us. We are not waiting for anything else. We, the humans, were waiting for the devices to catch up And now the devices have caught up. The things have caught up. And now the things are waiting for the humans. And that is frightening right there. Right now. So you've got to make the minute. You've got to make the time. And I try to make the time. But sometimes it gets away. Sometimes you just... Because you're sitting there for just a moment and suddenly the house is cluttered again and your mind is cluttered again and you can't seem to take the time. That's why I have to really force myself to take the time to schedule the interviews or or do the things that I want to do. And yes, when I'm doing them, it's wonderful. It's alive. It's fantastic. It's, you know, we're talking, we're doing, we're being, we're creating. That's why I get kind of choked up a lot lately watching things just certain projects and things that it really overwhelms me that people can get together and do things because in this very solitude existence singular existence where we're changing lives via the internet via digital media magazine radio show we're changing lives like this. And yes, like 4Culture like Magazine at fourculture.com we have constructed this amazing, monstrous creature created by actual people, but there's no room full of people doing it. And the people whose lives were changing or, or enriching, they're, they're not in a room either together. We're all... In our own little corners, doing our own little things. And sometimes I see these videos, movies, you know, documentaries, and things where people get together physically. People get together. Can you believe this? In the same room, and under the leadership and guidance of a core group, create, and then, bam, out there to the to the world another group of people in a room is inspired and they go forth and, and and their lives are changed and they're in this documentary and it's like we got these people together and they did these things and it's just wonderful and it leads me to be overcome with emotion because it's like well now that's change and it fools me because It it makes you think the change that we're doing, the change we do in here, singularly, isn't really change, but it is. We, singularly, together, on the Internet, are changing singular lives out there on the Internet, watching, reading, listening. That's what we do. That's how we do it. And it's just more convincing, I suppose. It's more convincing when you see it happening, of course, on the documentary, because time is, again, reduced to the summary. The summary of people and what they've done. And then they did it together. And it just would be so much fun. And I think that's the next level, is people together again. But as I know, I mean, since 1997 internet's first superstar, I understand how difficult it is to get people together in the same place. And that's the whole thing. I mean, remember when we were in the chat rooms and we would say, God, wouldn't this be wonderful if all of us got together in the same house? You know, why didn't we ever do that? I don't know why we never did that. I, I don't see, of course I see no boundaries. I am who I am without them. And I always thought of course in my youth of that time of course I was coming of age I was just getting out on my own and I saw just like everyone I mean they were they were truthfully joking they they wanted to do it but they knew it was just a joke to say it because they couldn't really and people like me would always say well why not really why don't we all quit our jobs and save our money? Not in that order. And move to one place, buy a farm, big old, big fucking house, and live together, work together, make things easier together. And I suppose the answer that the universe responds is well, people can't get along together. And, uh, we kind of did that with reality TV, you know? What happens when you put 12 strangers in a house together and film them 24 hours a day? That's life. <laughs> That's what we wanted to do in 1997 in the whatever chat room back in the who the hell cares www.somethingsomething.com That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to get 20 of us together in a farmhouse and live our lives. And, sure, it would be a lot like getting people together. You know, people have their own characteristics. People are people, after all. And one of the reasons we get along so well on the Internet is because we are living our singular lives in front of monitors and not out there living them with people. So even if you found 20 people in a chat room who you got along with and who you loved dearly, how would that translate to the real world, offline, in a farmhouse, living amongst each other? I mean, you'd have to have a, an amazing understanding of people and characters and, and making that work because everything changes when it goes from online to offline and you can't just sign off and we see it with most most chat rooms i mean even now when the chat room exists people get so mad oh look at facebook for god's sake people get so mad at each other they say one little thing and it's like now signing off gone delete block So, of course, it's still just as impossible now as it was then, but we found some great chemistry amongst each other back in the day. I mean, there were some people I think would have been really great to just get together, although that's what I was always trying to do, and it just never, never did. But I guess because they had enough of their own life that they never wanted to cash that in to get a new life on, you know, the reality TV farm in 1997. And I still want to, still wish we could do that. I I still see these wonderful people I communicate with all the time, and I think, why can't we just right there be together in the same place with, you know, Minimal everything, doing what we can, working our lives out. Oh, it's so San Francisco. It's so, you know, 20 people in a house. You just don't see that kind of thing anymore. I would love to see that kind of thing. I would love to ah, travel again, which would give me a reason to wear different clothes around different people because then you could see all of my cool t-shirts across the globe gypsies. Tramps and thieves. Yes, gypsies. I was thinking a lot about gypsies lately. And I think we'll talk about that when we come back on the Fabulous D Show with I, the Artist D. Hi, it's me, Frank Atolo, and at this very moment, I'm listening to the Artist D. I'm dropping the F-bomb right now. Fabulous. There, want to hear it again? Fabulous. There, want to hear it again? Fabulous. There, hit? Okay, I was skipping. Fabulous D. Fabulousness. It's fantastic on transtastic.com. Where can you hear independent music, underground opinion, and more? Tune in to 4 Culture Radio at 4 We're unearthing the underground, audibly. It's weird. It's it's very weird. When you're naked all over the internet, it can go one (laughs) or two ways. Um... Radio. Is that a furry in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Radio. Join Skyler Hall and Bolo Cute Fox for a rousing round of music that spans the genres. It's Hotspotradio.net. Radio. He'll take listener requests and dish it all live on SRN1. It's HotspotRadio.net. Live every Wednesday at 9.30 pm EST. Radio. this is becky cannons you're listening to the fabulous d show this is campus christmas and as mad as a box of frogs don't forget to sign up on transtastic.com the most fabulous transcendent social network site in the world hey this is ariel aparicio from bardo and you are listening to four culture radio peace our artist is fabulous. Welcome back to the Fabulous D Show Broadcasting from Earth. And the thought of why do I buy more clothes goes right in line with that gypsy mentality. I was, I was born into the gypsy genetics. It's in my blood. It's there. Because all I want to do is wander. And I remember when I first, quote, settled down, I got a, a letter from someone who had known me for a very, very long time. And what one of the first things they said was, I'm so glad that you're happy and that you found someone. That would be husband number two. And, and that you settled down. And curiously, they said in that letter, you always looked like you were searching for something. And I'm glad that you found it now so you can stop traveling. And that caught me as very strange, because I I had no intention of settling down. I had no ins- intention of stopping traveling. It was really just another rest stop. It just so happened to be a longer stay. I mean, for, from age of, of 17 to 20, who the hell gives a shit, I was moving every six months, and rarely did I stay in the same place, at least the same dwelling for a year. I mean, that was very odd to ever re-sign a lease with anyone, anywhere. I would just place to place, and six months tops was my status quo, which I didn't find odd. I, I find that I had the ability to do it, so I did it, because I knew that that ability, sooner or later, would run run out, whether it be financially or physically. And really, that's the only thing that held me down and and made me want to, apparently, what was seen as settle down, is because physically, it was becoming a burden giant burden, because it takes a lot to move. And when you're moving from state to state, I mean, we're not talking about down the street, we're talking about state to state every six months, or different quadrant of the state every six months. And there's just a lot of travel, and a lot of giving it all away and getting it back again. And once you move from place to place, every six months to a year, and every time you do, or almost every time you do, you have to get a new license, take a new, new test to get a license or an ID in a state, learn their laws, set up forwarding of mail, another post office box, another, another. What's that song? Another something and another something something? Yeah, who the, who the hell gives a shit? But another some another bedpost, another notch on the bed and another no, another town, ladies and gentlemen, and after a while, the older one gets and the more tired they are that it just becomes very very tiring and even though i've I've stayed mainly in in a very set location, settle down, according to these, these people. I don't feel like I've been here that long. The next move, I kind of dread it because I know how difficult it is. I still remember. It's still like six months ago for me. That was the last time I moved, which is not. It's been years. And I still do not miss it. But I do miss it. The gypsy misses it because it's the gypsy mentality and I never intended to stay. Never. It would have been nice. I think when I did things that looked like Settle Down, I thought it would be nice if it worked. But I know. I know people and chemistry and No matter how good it is, it will never stay the same model as it did when it began. So it'll never stay in the same place as it began. So it'll always be moving and shifting, and whether it shifts together or shifts apart, it will go elsewhere. So I never intended, and I never felt like it was a relief to stop and settle down. That was never my intention. And as you read in, in TG Forum last month, I had turned 30. And I was admitting to it. <laughs> admitting to, to the, the turning of, of a decade, of turning a leaf as well. I was trying, and still am trying, to make it a leaf-turning event. Because, you know, you don't get to hit decade after decade a lot. It only happens a couple times. And I'm trying to make it something different. And I was talking to someone and they were saying recently, due to this turning of age into a different age, (laughs) they were saying that it's very difficult to live by the seat of your pants year after year the older that you get and they were saying you know what happens to that person who lives every day like it's their last and they turn another decade older and they didn't know who they were talking to but I basically am that person whom you know I am the representation I am What happens when someone lives their life as if there will be no tomorrow? And it's been very difficult for me, extremely difficult, to come to any sort of terms within my mind that allow me to live beyond the day. And thankfully, being a little bit loose about that, a little bit, you know, understanding that I may be here tomorrow and expecting that I will, It does help you to plan, but I still, and you know this from listening to me, get very uncomfortable when it comes to long-term plans. I don't know how someone can say in 10 years, I am going to be fill-in-the-blank because for the next 10 years, I'm going to do this. (laughs) No, never. That is so not going to happen. And I've turned it down. I have turned down the offer and offers of stability time and time again. And as I get older, it only gets scarier to turn it down. But yet, I think that if I accepted it, it would mean that my personality had just flopped and fizzled. I think saying that, yes, I'm going to live here. And I'm going to do this. And basically, this is the set plan for the next 10 to 20. I can't see it. I I feel it as a a crushing of soul. What soul there is. It's numbing to me to, to think that I'm going to sign contracts and make determinations in my life that mean... Basically, that, yes, sure, anybody can get up and go at any given time. Anyone can throw it away, file bankruptcy, and say, fuck you guys, I'm going. But to get into that contract in the first place, to decide within yourself that, yes, this is it. This is my abode. This is my financial means, and this is it for the next foreseeable future, really does it for me. It really numbs it out. I don't want it. And I can only imagine as the decades go by and those offers of stability continue to come in, as they will, because stability... Is status quo. The offers of stability, especially, are status quo. They may not work out, but that's what people expect. They expect you to settle down. They expect you to paint the white picket fence, and they expect that when you're hired, you're going to be there for the rest of your life. There is no guarantee of stability, especially in our day and age. There is no guarantee that that will be there. And yet, People get into these contracts with themselves. I'm not talking about a contract that, I'm not talking about a loan. I'm not talking about car payments, house payments. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about contracts with yourself. When you sign on your own dotted line, saying, this is all. Thank you. I'm done now. (laughs) I can't picture that. I don't want to picture that. And it was really hard, it's really hard, when you can say, almost certain that, you know, well, life is a gamble. But when that bet is damn near a sure thing, and you don't take it, oh, difficult. So difficult. When you say, you know what, I could. I could take this now, and I could be here for the rest of forever, and I could be happy. And well-fed. But no thank you. I won't. Because there's, it's one thing to be a gypsy when no opportunity presents itself. That was the last 20. <laughs> that, was, that was the last 20 years of life was, get me the fuck out of here. I'm a teenager. Get me out of here. Then it's, I'm an adult. I am getting out of here. And then it's, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm out of here. From place to place to place. Six months to a year. Place to place to place. Nothing wrong with that. But that's what it was. Because there was the offers of stability for a young individual are not as bright. They're not as there perhaps because people don't trust the younger individuals as much as they should because really if you offer most sheep skinned individuals from the age of mm, 21 to 28 the offer of success and stability a house with a white picket fence and a guarantee of future they'll take it and Most of the time, they'll really do well. And I got those offers, and I... They weren't as convincing. Because they're not as convincing. But when you get to 30, and as I hear, when you get to 40 and 50, I mean, of course. Because even the social mentality says, hey, this person, they're old, and they're gonna stay. I mean, not saying that you're old. No, no, no. I'm saying they think you're old. They think that just because you're 30, 40, 50, 60, and now 70, you're going to stay put. And they can rely on you. And I hear it every day is, you know, they're a certain age, they're not going to fly the coop. They can, they can stay here. And I'm going to do this for you know i'm going to choose this person over that person because hey they're going to they're going to stick with it they want roots they want roots and i would love that that would and that's kind of what i say every time i turn down these offers the better that they get i would love that that would be so nice if i could just oh relax <laughs> if I could just sit back on the Chesterfield, knowing the income will always be, and the insurance will be paid for, and the the things, you know, I can just load up the credit card and just keep paying those payments, and one day I'll be dead, and it won't matter, and I will have lived a stable, happy life in bumfuck somewhere doing bumfuck nothing. But I can't. Because I'm a gypsy. And I need to roam. And when you've got the age creeping past, as I just discussed, time, time rolling and the older you get the faster it seems to go because now you're grasping now you're saying hey 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 oh i need to do this one more thing before this next one more thing and suddenly the next one more thing is upon you and you're kind of nauseous So when that offer presents itself, it's really difficult. And I can imagine the older one gets, the harder it is to get there. Because Alana, Alana Scholer love her. Last show we did was Alana, Hung in the Middle. Great book. Get it at hunginthemiddle.com. But she mentioned something that kind of came out of nowhere and re- <laughs> reverberated. Is that the word? Reverberated within really knocked up my soul. How about that? (laughs) She said, because she was a daredevil, back in the day, she was a daredevil, really didn't care, live or die, she was going to live, and Superman or Superwoman, she was going to get by, and it didn't matter, and a lot of that was youth, but a lot of that with Alana was, was a little, you know, that guilty, dirty secret or what was assumed to be hanging over her head that really deep down, she was a woman. And, you know, what does it matter if I die, then nobody will know my secret and, and everybody will be happy and go on with their lives and they'll just think, you know, good old, good old Alan and all that. Which is a lot of our bravery, which was a lot of my bravery, was, you know, I didn't even know who I was. And I knew that every time I stepped out another foot from the closet, there was a new secret to be revealed and a new person to be hurt. So it was like, you know, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to take the risks and do what I need to do. To hell with whatever happens to me. It doesn't matter. But what Alana said in the show was suddenly she had something to live for. And suddenly, laying in the hospital bed, having something to live for, having realizing you've got this big, long path in front of you that you could live safely, then you start to worry about it. And that's when it starts to get tricky, when you finally turn from Daredevil Deluxe nothing can hurt me or if it does so screw you I don't give a shit to hey I love my life people love me I don't care what people think of me I can live however I want to oh shit I better be careful (laughs) it happens every time And then, when you're trying to be careful, is when everything starts to go. That's why I try to stay just a little bit edgy, a little bit dangerous. Because I'm afraid that if I'm too careful, it's like the person who gets in the car accident because they were being too careful. I see it every day on the stupid roadways. I see it every day. The person, they're trying to merge carefully. And they're like riding the, the white line or even the yellow line merging over carefully. And I'm thinking, just do it. It's the person at the, the green light who's approaching it as if it's going to turn red. And that shall be, gentle listeners, the grand revelation of the show for you, I hope. You can't live life like you're approaching a red light. And it's always disturbed me. When the light is green, you can go through it. But approaching it, you're thinking in your mind, it may turn yellow, and therefore red. So I am going to take caution and slow down when they're not built that way. They're built that if you're going the speed limit, may I add, You can approach it at the speed limit, and if it turns yellow, you'll have enough time to stop at the speed limit. And I so, so see people approach these things, even people that are going below the speed limit. I mean, they start to slow down. They put on their brakes. That's what people do wrong, because that's what gets them in accidents. So that's what gets you, when you start living your life safely, in bad situations. Because you're taking too much caution. You're taking too much precaution. And you're putting on the brakes too soon. The flow of life happens much like red and green lights. You just flow with it. You go with it. You have to just go. And sometimes quickly shifting your lane when you are quite certain that you can is what's going to save your life instead of Cautiously, slowly, merging, looking over. It's the people that, you know, they look over their shoulder. They do what they're supposed to do, but then they don't trust themselves to believe that they have checked all mirrors appropriately. And then they do it again and again. And it's those people that they're they're slowly going into that lane, looking into their mirror, left, right, and sideways, slowly, that get dinged for it because they didn't just look in their mirrors and merge. They didn't trust what they saw. They didn't trust their own perception. They didn't trust that the light would stay green. They didn't trust that they'd have enough time to stop if it went yellow. And they end up fucking killing themselves. That's why I like to just make the decision and... You know, I'd be better off knowing that I firmly, confidently made the decision that killed me instead of knowing that I, hmm, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe, maybe I should take my time. Maybe, you know, hmm. Gosh, I mean, let me just slowly, well, let me try, let me just stick my toe in the water. Mm, I don't know. Should I do it? Should I not? And then it kills me anyway. How am I going to feel about that? Jesus Christ, I had, you know, ample opportunity to change my mind and decided that I was just kind of hovering around the water and, oh, oh, maybe I shouldn't. I'd just rather make the goddamn decision and go with it and do with it. And that's the life of a gypsy, that's the gypsy mentality, is, hey, fuck you guys, I want to go, so I'm going to go, and I'm just going to do. And, hey, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't work out, but usually, if you just went to it, and you just did it, it, it didn't fail. None of my moves have failed. They've come to premature endings, but one thing into another, into another. I just went with it, and it works, because you can't think about it too much. You can't roll back and forth, because then you're really careful. And then you're like, should I pull the trigger? Should I not pull the trigger? And you start to think about that too much. And then it hurts you. It gets really tricky when you love your life so much that you don't want to end it accidentally. But there's a very, very careful balance there of being careful but not being too careful. Not too careful. So I'm not really terrified of being the gypsy I'm not really terrified of throwing it all away the only sadness is the time that you throw it away and it doesn't really come back to you but I don't think I'd be so upset about that because as long as I've got my seven shirts and seven pairs of pants and ass-kicking boots I'm okay As long as I can fit the folding table in the back of the car, hey, as long as I got a car, and a suitcase, and a little room for my laptops and my microphone, I'm okay. I don't need all this stuff. I don't need all this junk. It's junk. And it's bad for you if you really hang on to it tightly. Because that always comes back to the waves for me. Whenever things aren't working out very well, whenever it's just what I want to work isn't working, I picture everything is an ocean to me. Because all you have to do is watch the ocean to see that it's life. And that's not some hippy-dippy bullshit, that's not some cosmic metaphysical piece of crap. I mean, look at the ocean. If something, an object floating is held up if you, if you the the human stop the object from moving, you change its course and oftentimes end up moving that object into somewhere that it wasn't supposed to go. Then, you know, you've delayed it, it gets stuck, it's not happy. It's the pieces of things in the ocean that hold on to something, and that's what I picture, is like, you could flow, you could just float in the ocean, into the whirlpool, go down, get sucked down into the whirlpool, but then that whirlpool, it spits you out somewhere, I'm not talking like you as a human being. I'm talking like, you know, you as an object in the universe. You're not drowning, okay? (laughs) You're not drowning. You're just a metaphor in the ocean. And... It's kind of like saving a rock from a whirlpool. Why? Because that rock will go down in the whirlpool, the whirlpool will end, it will go out into something else, and it'll be in the sea and it'll be floating around. But if you stop it from going down the whirlpool, then it didn't go where it was supposed to go in the first place. Done. Duh, duh, done. You've just got to stop holding on so much. There's some swimming. There's swimming allowed. You can swim, you can float, you can vibe. You can decide to swim that way. But you know when the waves are pushing you this way, it's something to think about. On The Fabulous D Show, with the artist D, that's me. I thank you for joining me tonight, and visit thefabulousdshow.com for more... Until Forbid, it will be there, I promise, and I will be here, and we'll flow together as we always have. The, f- the show has flowed and followed me. So until next time, stay fabulous, but don't stay seated. I am the Artist D. Good night.